Guys, tonight Carolina's playing. Go Heels beat Oklahoma. 10 0 Oklahoma. Welcome into the Swamp, folks. It's Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. Go Lions and Lady Lions because they got them some W's last night. District games. We're bringing you a Tide cast like we never have on December 20th, 2023. Tideford, what's happening on your side? Oh, the Swamp. Willie opened it up today off his Stardust album, 1978, probably somewhere in there. I'm going to tell a little bit more about Stardust later on, about what that song's all about, and why Willie was told, no, you, you don't do that song. You, you, you can't sing that type song. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. I mean, when you start listening to people tell you what you can't do, it usually messes you up, but it is blue skies out here right now. It was kind of part of cloudy, but the blue skies are taking it over. May have something to do with hope. Well, hey, tell me something's going on, on your side of the swamp. Well, I mentioned the Lions won, and they're off until uh, December 27th. There's a the Kaufman. What do they call it the Christmas tournament, or what do they call it? Just uh, holiday tournament. Holiday. Got to say yeah. holiday. Yeah. All right. I'll well, tell anyway. you what. I remember this tournament going on in 1970. I don't know if it had a pause somewhere, but it's they had one going on there. It's been big, and small, big, and small. It's been three days. It's been four days. But anyway, two days this time. Uh, boys and girls tournament. Yep. yep. All right, Dad. I know you've uh, not uh, been on a cruise and probably won't ever go on a cruise, but what if you had been told you go into the Bahamas and end up in Boston? Well, I'm going to say that uh, looks a lot different. <laughs> it looks a little bit different. And these people are not too happy about it because <laughs> they paid to go to the Bahamas and due to the weather, they end up in Boston, Maine, and Canada. Whoa. Yeah. yeah you Talk know, about it. Everybody wears their bathing suit up in Canada, I would think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Check the weather before you head on out there. <laughs> I, I don't know. Was this last week? Last week. Because there was, you know, that storm came through there off the old Atlantic. Huh. So they were set to depart from New York to the Bahamas. How about you just go New York to Boston? I guess they, on a probably, cruise ship. they probably get towed like a lot of people in there. I get over. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, this person was doing a little better after they bought a $3.99 vase from a Goodwill store in Virginia. Then it was auctioned for $107,000 when it was found to be designed by Carlos Scarpa for famed Italian company Benini in 1942. Okay, they bought a, a vase 
for three dollars for four dollars. Four dollars. And yep. somebody got to talking to them and say, "Yeah, I'll get that looked at." Well, the lady said, "People tell me I have a good eye. <laughs> you can put me in an aisle with a whole bunch of dollar store stuff, and I can pick out the one item with a little yeah. bit of value." Well, a little bit. <laughs> she took good. some photos of the vase, wrote down, you know, the writing and insignia oh, okay. to share online. And somebody said, hey, that's kind of a big deal. And uh, took it to the Chicago-based Wright Auction House. It was valued at thirty dollars to $50,000 and ended up fetching 107000 from a European collector. What about that auction house? They knew what they were doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, give her, oh, yeah. they just paid four bucks, hey, give her about 25000 or something. Well, she went home with eighty three five. Wow. And the auction house got twenty three six, And uh, she said, I knew I wanted to get it back in the art world. They didn't know it existed. I feel like I saved it from obscurity. Well, good for her, good for her. How are they going to get something back <laughs> in the place where they didn't know it was in the first place? Yeah. Anyway, wow. so there you go. I'm Merry, telling you. Merry Christmas to her. Yeah, and she's probably thinking, boy, next time I won't let my little boy carry that in the <laughs> house. Okay. Uh, all right, now you see this thing? Wow. Yeah, it's 103 years old, and it's an artificial Christmas tree, one of the first to be mass-produced, and it was auctioned for more than $4,000 in Britain. Wow. Yeah, let me show you again. This thing. That thing is horrible. <laughs> it's a 2.5 foot tall tree described as the <laughs> humblest Christmas tree in the world. It was uh, brought to Dorothy Grant's family home when she was eight years old in 1920. Wow. She lived to be 101 and it was it became a staple of her holidays for her entire life. It's wow. got 25 branches, 12 berries and six mini candle holders believed to be one of the first mass-produced artificial Christmas trees and was likely purchased by Grant's mother at Woolworths <laughs> in London. That's kind of one of the reasons I brought it up. Yeah, Woolworths. Dad old Woolworths in London. I didn't know they were all over there. I thought it was a states thing. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. As simple as it was, Dorothy loved that tree. Uh, so... Hey, I love the Woolsworth at Big Town. That's all I'm telling. <laughs> well, love going in there. Just the smell. I mean, yeah, we're looking at records, and albums, and stuff. So Man. it's in the family since 1920. You know, big deal to this lady who lived 101. Wow. So she dies, and they just auction it off. Well, there you like, go. <laughs> okay. Hey, she ain't around, you Yeah. It was passed down to her daughter, who was 84, so maybe she yeah. thought, well, I won't have it a long time. Yeah, materialistic. Somebody wants it, they can have it. That's pretty rough looking. Yeah, that's pretty rough. <laughs> I mean, my Charlie Brown tree looks a little more full. Little fuller. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to pull the Hank Snow and move on. Oh, that's right. Because that's what he did in 1999 when he died. Canadian country singer Hank Snow died in 1999. The Singing Ranger released over 100 albums. Yeah. Scored more than 70 singles on the Billboard country charts from 1950 to 1980. He was a regular at the Grand Ole Opry. 
1954, he persuaded the directors to allow a new singer by the name of Elvis Presley to appear at the Grand Ole Opry. Now, how much persuasion did he have to do? Yeah. Hey, here's the next thing. Uh, my favorite brother-in-law of all times, he'd be with my sister and nephew, and they're about ready to leave, and he says, well... We're about ready to pull a Hank Snow and move on. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that from him so many times. Hey, we're using it in the book. We're writing. Ah, okay. Sneak peek. Yeah. All right. 1973, American singer Bobby Darren died at age 37. Damn. He was a genius now. He has some good stuff. Dream lover, Mac the Knife. Um, Grammy Award for Record of the Year in 1960. This one I did not know. Darren traveled with Robert Kennedy and worked on the latter's 1968 presidential campaign. He was with Kennedy the day he traveled to L.A. on June 4th, 68 for the California primary. And Darren was at the Ambassador Hotel later that night when Kennedy was assassinated. Yeah. Oh, man. That's something. Rosie Greer was there too, his NFL player. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's, that old stuff is unreal. That guy's still alive. They did that Sirhan Sirhan or whatever. Yeah. All right. 1969. Peter, Paul, and Mary went to number one on the U.S. singles chart. We're leaving on a jet plane. John Denver wrote the song in 1966 with the original title of Obey by Hate to Go. Had tickets to go see them. And then I got it refunded, or they sent my money back because Mary uh, came within child and was going to take off a while to her after she had the baby. So they probably sent my $10 back for two. <laughs> well, that's pretty nice. Yeah, I don't know. Might have been more than that. Did they just ride know. on there? Mary had a little lamb or? <laughs> on that one? <laughs> Yeah. Ten bucks for two. And I'm leaving on a jet plane. But we're going to refund uh, Tide's money back. How about refunding that Taylor Swift? That's a few thousand dollars if she's well, not able some. to go. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about Spacios. It's a nutty time of the year anyway. It is. nuts are around. It is. They I are. like nuts. The pistachio, a member of the cashew family. Is a small tree originating from Central Asia and the Middle East. The tree produces seeds that are widely consumed as food. And I mean, it's a good one if you're into the nuts, which I am. This is what they'll do for you and to you. Pistachios are effective in reducing the risk of cardiovascular diseases. These nuts contain monosaturated fatty acids like oleic acid, which may help to reduce total of, as well as LDL cholesterol and increase HDL cholesterol. LDL is the bad cholesterol. I always remember it because lousy LDL. And then the HDL is the good cholesterol. Healthy. Hello. Hey. Health class. Stachios are also rich in phytonutrients such as carotene and polyphenolic compounds. That's that new group. 
which may help to remove toxic free radicals in the human body. Pistachios are a great source of vitamin E in 100 grams and composed of 23 grams of vitamin E. Vitamin E can help and maintain the integrity of the mucosa and skin, and it also works as a free radical scavenger. But no matter that it's kin to the cashews, which are awesome, there could be possible side effects. Individuals who suffer from kidney stones and kidney-related illnesses must consult healthcare practitioners on the amount of pistachios they can consume. Eating too much of pistachios can result in kidney damage and diarrhea due to the abundance of protein in them. Oh, okay. That's why I guess I pick and choose. <laughs> it's highly recommended that one consumes not more than 80 grams of pistachios in a day. The reason being that pistachios contain a significantly high amount of calories that can be dangerous to one's health. Hey, eat and move around. All right. Okay. Hey, speaking of pistachios and moving around, we're going to go fishing out at uh, Uncle Wayne's on the tea dock. (laughs) And right when we, I mean, Todford barely stepped onto the dock, got pistachios in the left hand, fishing rod in the right, and he says, coming out casting. (laughs) And man, this big old fish jumps up and grabs the, and dad's, Dad's hanging onto the fish with one hand, the pistachios in the That's other. Right. He did it. That way. Coming wild out casting. Wild world sports. It is. Hey, here we got something going. You know, you know, everybody's got to get those electric cars because, you know, the government, which is a goddess in mind here, wants us to have it. Well, this is a pretty interesting fellow. I'm going to read a little of this. Charging has been pretty challenging. Ford's CEO. Hmm. Chief Executive Officer got a reality check when he took an electric F-150 Lightning on a road trip. Here are three big long distances issues EV drivers face. Alrighty, well here we go. Ford CEO took the who is Jim Farman by the way, electric F-150 Lightning vehicle for a ride from Silicon Valley to Las Vegas documenting his experience on social media along the way. In the video during which he's seen at the wheel of a vehicle, he says that he had just been to a charging site along Interstate 5 in California, where he waited 40 minutes to get a 40% charge on his truck. (laughs) It was really a good reality check of the challenges that our customers go through, Farley said. The video was posted after a story came out August 10th that a Canadian man abandoned his own F-150 Lightning. He claimed failed to charge at two separate stations during a family road trip from Winnipeg to Chicago. He completed the journey in a gas-powered rental vehicle. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of issues, of course. There's lack of charging infrastructures. Uh, long charging times, range anxiety. Now, this is pretty interesting. Naturally, an EV owner taking a long trip will have to keep an eye on battery power and take note of charging stations in range, which can add anxiety while driving. 
Okay. Not to mention the fact that they could blow up at any yeah. moment. How about Maybe. that when they fail to mention? Yeah, sometimes we can't even get them over in the ships, you know. They start burning the ships down. You got a wild look. But Don't anyway, go parking in your garage. Yeah, try some of that. That kind of business. <laughs> Just a few weeks ago, Warren Buffett's right-hand man, Charlie Munger, passed away at 99. But here's five traits that he and Mr. Buffett agree on said people with these five traits are almost certain to succeed. And here they are real quick. Number one, spend less than you earn. That's kind of common sense, you think, but that's hard to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when we live in a, I want it all the time. Number two, invest wisely. Like Buffett, Munger followed the philosophy of holding onto his investments. Big money is not in the buying and selling, but in the waiting. In other words, wait the time with patience. You know, give the companies the way to go. He also advised that you should invest in businesses that virtually anyone can run. If it won't stand a little mismanagement, it's not much of a business, he said. However, don't seek out businesses that are poorly run as a general practice. We're not looking for mismanagement, even if we can withstand it. Continue learning. Learning how to invest and make the right choices takes time. But if you're willing to learn, nothing can stop you. Munger had previously advised the game of life is the game of everlasting learning. At least it is if you want to win. Learning today can take many forms from taking classes to listening to podcasts or watching YouTube videos. But Munger also emphasized one of these best ways to gain knowledge in my whole life. I have known no wise people who didn't read all the time. None. Zero. You know, uh, reading gives you power, knowledge gives you, it comes into that. You know. Remain disciplined. Small habits can lead to big results over time. One of Munger's biggest pointers is to find reliable people to deal with and, in turn, you do what you're supposed to do. When people know they can rely on you, whether in business or other relationships, that trust can go far. And the last one, avoid toxic people. While you want to seek out and surround yourself with reliable people, you also want to avoid the toxic ones, Munger advised. A great lesson of life is get them the hell out of your life and do it fast. He told shareholders at one meeting, if you do all those things, you are almost certain to succeed. If you don't, you're going to need a lot of luck. He only lived to be 99. Pretty wild, isn't it? It's a long time. Okay. You know, I opened up the old farmer's household tips and tricks. Because yep. a lot of things happen. Because we can get mildew stains. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. We're going to help you here. Okay. Well, be by reading the tips from the <laughs> farmer's almanac. To get rid of black and gray stains caused by mildew, try moistening the stain area with lemon juice and salt, then dry the fabric in the sun. If this doesn't work, sponge the stain with hydrogen peroxide and sun dry it. 
And, you know, you can always drink that lemon juice and salsa. <laughs> Don't sound bad. Uh, is that a Sprite? Clean okay. and hydrated at the same yeah, time. I'm just telling you. Yeah. And there's one more about mildew. If you have a leather item stained with the powdery traces of surface mildew, wipe the affected area with a solution of equal parts, rubbing alcohol, and water. When the leather is dry, treat it with a conditioner such as castor oil. That I recommend not drinking about. So anyway. Hey, we opened this up today playing old Willie's uh, version of Blue Skies. And uh, he was told, don't do that. First of all, this song was written by Irving Berlin, who was a big time guy. Back in 1926. Wrote it for a play that Rogers and in art musical Betsy that was performed. Bing Crosby over the years did it. Well, when Willie decided he's going to put it on his Star Dust album. Oh, no, no, no. Well, he ends up, I got a Grammy out of, the, out of the thing. And, and what is it kind of about the, the song is, uh, is about hope, about how people sometimes go through things and on. And when you hear the words of the song, you uh, you you see what he's he's talking about. How people will survive, success, uh, trials and tribulations, and because a lot of people can't handle success. <laughs> but this song is about about how just stay with it, kind of, and it gives you a lot of hope. Don't go telling Willie he can't do something. That's right. So here we go. The wit and wisdom today of uh, the Texas High School Coach Association. Yesterday we said a deal about hope. Remember, Tom Burdett. Yeah. We'll keep the light on for you. And here's another one about hope from uh, author Lanny Taylor. Hope can be a powerful force. Maybe there's no actual magic in it, but when you know what you hope for most and hold it like a light within you, you can make things happen almost like magic. Well, kind of hope and faith and better believe. And Who said that? Lanny Taylor. Okay. That's an author. She's like 52 years old. Hmm. I looked it up a little bit there. But, uh, of course, Gomer always said, what? Grandma Powell said, "Yeah, there's always hope when there's water and soap. <laughs> that ought to be in the Farmer's Almanac this week about all our stains. Surely it is. And definitely, you know, hang on. If you're not really into the Bible reading, just pick and choose some things. Start out with Proverbs 3. That might get you into more things. Because faith kind of throws in there, too. We, uh, had a my nephews which is the two boys and my nieces I guess they're great nephews or something I don't know what you call them but they've lost a uh, good family friend yesterday uh, Cody Lambert I remember meeting him years ago out fishing and at the judge's place witty witty kid no I think it was 24 years stayed 
didn't wake up to go to work yesterday. Or I don't call it work. He was going to go coach and teach over in Frisco, where he was at. He has a thing called Addison's disease, and uh, which is what it's got things to do with your adrenal yeah. glands. But anyway, he was diagnosed a couple of years ago. Anyway, went and got that Aggie ring a few years ago, and uh, Spencer and Hunter are big friends, and that be with those, those, and of course they're the family. He uh, he has a mother, a father still around, and a sister. All righty, that's all I got to allow. Well, check out the uh, new Swamp Productions LLC dot com. We got a website. Uh, you can see old Todd's mug on there and read about him and our books. Appreciate you doing that. Thanks for listening to Retired Coach and His Kid. Hey, listen to these words here as we finish up. I'm a retired coach. I'm his kid. Make it count out there.